everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into The Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science, and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner. And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert. Let's dive in, shall we? Last time we we were discussing what pet is best, whether or not you should actually decide to get a pet or not. There was a lot of things to consider, but now you've considered them and you've decided you still want to get a pet. Today, we're going to help you understand what the, some of the differences are between the breeds and the species. What are some of the things that you have noticed that people should consider when they uh, actually decide now to go out to get a pet? Oh my goodness. Well, we kind of talked on some of my big ones, time commitment. Can you afford the veterinary care? But I really like choosing an animal that fits your lifestyle the best. And I think that is the best or the first thing to consider. What can you sustain? What type of lifestyle can you sustain? If you're somebody who works a lot and you get a dog like a Labrador, as awesome as they are, that dog is not going to thrive with you not being home all the time. If you have the money to have doggy daycare where the dog is getting plenty of stimulation and plenty of enrichment and plenty of socialization, that's one thing. But if not... And if you just want a dog to have a dog and a Labrador seems cool, then I would definitely go to another dog. Some dogs are okay. Actually, no, taking that back. There are no dogs that are okay with you working all the time and then not seeing you. Yeah, I know I've talked to other people who they just decide they're going to put their dog in a kennel at home and they'll sleep all day, or they'll just let them run around the house. Putting them in a kennel is fine if they're going to be alone for maybe five, six hours or so, as long as they're getting plenty of attention and interaction and socialization and all this type of stuff when you get home. But if you're tired when you come home at the end of the day and you're grudgingly having to take them for a walk and just don't really feel like interacting with them, then a dog is not a good choice to have. You would be better off considering something more like a cat where they don't, they still need that interaction and socialization, but not to the same extent as dogs, but they both still need that enrichment and activities. And there are other animals you can consider as well that are probably okay for the most part with being alone for a while, such as hamsters or guinea pigs, because they're used to being, well, I don't know if they're used to being, but they're typically kept in a cage the whole time. But again, they still need that interaction and social socialization. So they shouldn't be kept in a cage the their entire life. Yeah. And the other thing to consider is, are you going to go and get a puppy or are you going to get a full grown dog? I believe crate training to be very beneficial to the dog, not to the person, to the dog, because they like having that security, but you don't want to put a puppy in a crate for five hours while you're working. Number one, they probably can't hold their bladder that long. Mm -hmm. 
it takes practice for a dog to be able to hold it. So that's really important. I think you need to really pay attention. Like I will get into this at one point because I am a big believer in crate training, but you have to do it the right way. Mm -hmm, For sure. And puppies cannot be in a crate for five, six hours while you're working. That's just not fair to them. They end up having to defecate and pee where they sleep. Animals don't like to do that. No animal likes to do that. Not even in the wild. They choose their location to pee and they choose their location to sleep. They are not one and the same. Maybe mice and rats might be a little bit different, but there's still a little bit of a segregation in the animal's mind of sleep and bathroom. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to have the environment for a puppy that has to end up sleeping in the same spot that he couldn't hold it. It's just one of my, my big beliefs. Mm -hmm. And also if you've got a puppy or a kitten, you need to be able to have the time to properly train them. So even if you can take them to a trainer, you still need to work with them on your own individually. You can't expect the trainer to do everything for you. You need to make sure that you can have the time to help them learn how to walk on a leash properly, where you want them to go to the bathroom in, if you have a backyard, where in the backyard you want them to go, or do you want them just to let them go anywhere? Is there certain rooms in the home that you don't want them to have access to? So this is all is time that's going to be taken to get them to behave the way you want them to behave. Yeah. You're accountable to your animal. Mm -hmm. Your animal is not a plaything for you to enjoy when you have the time. You are accountable to that animal and you need to pay attention to its needs and provide the environment Mm -hmm. that helps them to thrive. You don't just want them to just exist. You want them to thrive on all levels You don't want them to be overly stressed. You don't want them to have a question about where to go to the bathroom. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that you need to consider, especially with a dog. I think it takes more brain power to figure out if a dog is good for you than it would maybe another type of animal Mm -hmm. because they are so social. Dogs do not exist in solitary. Cats are solitary. Hamsters, solitary. Guinea pigs, They may not be solitary, but they do tend to only be in family groups. Dogs, they need a pack. Mm -hmm. They need a family. They need the social side of living or they are depressed, anxious, and stressed. Mm -hmm. There's different characteristics too that to take into consideration Characteristics between different types of dogs, characteristics between a cat and a dog, different characteristics between different types of cats. So these can affect your decision on what might be the best choice for you. So what are some of the big things that you've seen along your travels that makes sense to pay attention to? Like what are the breed characteristics that come up the most? Well, one of the ones that stands out for me the most are dogs such as Border Collies. Mm. Border Collies are bred to be herding dogs. They need a job to do. It's not just exercise. They need an actual job where they have something to think about, a purpose. Just taking them for walks is not going to be enough for them. 
you have to interact with them. You have to find enrichment activities that is going to make their brain work. There's a lot of people that are not aware of this, and then they end up with an animal with severe anxiety issues. They might do damage to the home, clawing at the door or something like that, or they might be chewing stuff, or they could exhibit other types of behavioral issues. Like finding a job themselves and hurting your children. (laughs) They will hurt your children. They will hurt your toddlers. And that may not be very safe for the toddler. And it's not the dog's fault. They're just doing what they know to do. And they're just trying to resolve their situation in the best way that they know how. Exactly. I'm a big believer that all animals, not just dogs, but all animals prefer to have a job. It could be just, I'm a healer, or I just hold space, or I'm the protector, or whatever. They will give themselves a job. Mm -hmm. People don't realize that they need that sense of purpose and responsibility. You don't think of animals having that, but even with my cats, my little Carly, she passed away a few years ago. She chose to be the protector. I don't know how a four and a half pound cat would protect the house, but if the doorbell rang or if she heard something on the front porch, she immediately would go into the stance and growl and stare like laser darts from her eyes. Don't you dare come in this house. You know, it was very funny. And she just chose that. That was her role. My Spike, who was her son, was my meditation partner. (laughs) That sounds weird, but that was what he did. He was my booty kitty. And he was always with me when I meditated. And that was his job. He was there to hold space for me while I did what I needed to do. These animals, they will choose a job and it may not be the job you want for them. (laughs) They will choose a job. So giving them a job, making them work in a sense that helps them to feel purpose, not I'm giving you a job and you need to do that no matter what I say, nothing like that, but allowing them the opportunity I guess that's the best way to say it, allowing them the opportunity to have a role in the family Mm -hmm. is best. And a border collie will go to its default. So if you are not doing something that gives them that sense of purpose, that sense of I'm doing something for the family, then you need, you need to find something else whether it's another breed or you need to go, I'm going to teach my dog agility training and we're going to do competitions. That would be his job. His job is to get through an agility course because that is very exciting for a border collie. Mm -hmm. Don't make the mistake that it's only purebreds that need a job. Yes. These characteristics can carry over into the mixed breeds as well. When they're mixed breed, maybe it's a little harder to determine exactly what would be the ideal job for them. It might take a little more time to figure that out, but they'll still need something to do. There will be some dogs that are more laid back than others and will be more content to lie at your feet or next to you or something like that than other dogs. That would be their job. Their job is to just hold space and keep your feet warm. Mm -hmm. I know that sounds silly, but that's (laughs) their job, you know? (laughs) companionship is a job and some animals are okay with just that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Dogs have been bred for various different reasons. 
And we're not going to go into any big detail on this, but this is just so you listeners have some awareness of the types of dogs out there. There are working dogs. These are ones that tend to perform a variety of jobs, but they're not necessarily specialized. So they could be something like a German Shepherd who work as a police dog. There are gun hunting dogs. These type of dogs are like retrievers, pointers, flushers. They flush prey out. There's the toy dogs, such as a pug or a Yorkie. There's your utility dog, which doesn't really, they're kind of more of a generalized category. They usually come from a non-sporting lineage. Yeah. And there's your hound dogs, which are your trackers and your chasers. Examples of these are beagles, greyhounds, dachshunds. Got your terriers. Terriers are usually smaller. They're usually very active and they usually have a very fearless attitude. Yes. That's another breed that people have to be very conscious of. Terriers can be almost too active, especially if you have small kids. If you have smaller animals, they will chase because that's what they do. That's what terriers do. They chase and they don't have fear. They will get in. If they're not being paid attention to, they can get into trouble because they run into things without thought because that's how they are bred. Dachshunds, Mm -hmm. I know that's not a terrier, but it also has that same thing. They'll run into small holes because that's what they are bred for. A terrier, like a Yorkshire terrier, they are made to chase and to run. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got to be very careful with some of those breeds, terriers especially, because they are high energy. Mm -hmm. And the last category that exists is one called pastoral. These are dogs that typically work with livestock. Mm. I had actually just recently learned this. I thought that the dogs that worked with livestock were also working dogs, but they apparently have their own category. So and I believe that would be more like a Great Pyrenees, Bernese Mountain Dogs. There's another dog that I know is really good for pigs and livestock like that. I can't remember how to say their name. It's a European name. It starts with a K, but they're also large. Not as large as the Great Pyrenees or a Bernese Mountain Dog, but they are very large. And the one thing about them is what I know from one of my friend's experiences, they're barkers. That's what they do. They alert. If you have livestock, they alert when something is threatening the livestock. And if you get one that is the, an overbarker, everything is a threat to the livestock. Mm-hmm. A leaf falling from the tree might be a threat to the livestock. So you want to pay attention to that. Say you don't live on a farm and you get one of these pastoral dogs, that dog is going to bark constantly because number one, it doesn't have a job. It just does what it knows how to do. And you're going to end up having a problem with your neighbors and with your stress levels because a dog barks constantly. That creates stress in you. So that's another thing to really pay attention. They are barkers. That's what they do. They alert. If a wolf or coyote is coming to your farm to threaten your livestock, yeah, they can be good because they'll keep the bears and the coyotes Mm -hmm. and all that away. But if you don't have to worry about bears and coyotes and wolves, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you're going to have a barker. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And also barking is kind of relates to that as well, is that the barking can be a result of boredom because they don't have something to do. Exactly. Boredom, stress, like it's all, it's all related. If you have a dog that's barking a lot, 
you need to look at their environment, consider what could be causing them to bark and what you can do to improve their environment, their situation that will help to relieve that. With cats, it's a little bit different. I don't believe cats have been bred for a purpose in the sense of dogs being bred for a working purpose, but they've been bred more for their, I think, their appearance. The different characteristics of cats are something that you need to consider as well. Whether you go with a short hair cat or a long hair cat, fine hair cat, coarser haired cat. I know for myself, I wouldn't be able to have a fine long haired cat. I have a slight allergy to animals and having hair floating around in the air constantly and getting embedded because it gets embedded in your, your linen and your clothes. My mom had a cat that had that type of fur. She's been gone for a few years now and she still has towels that has the cat hair embedded in it. So... <laughs> Yep, I can speak to that. I've had cats my whole life and we've had so many different types of cats. Cat hair is everywhere. Cat hair is everywhere. Even though a lot of allergies have been found to be more the saliva of the cat, not necessarily the hair per se, but if you have that fine hair flying through your air, that's going to affect anybody. It's really... You can breathe it in if it's in your, in your linens or whatever, and that can definitely cause respiratory issues, whether you're allergic to them or not. You kind of got to pay attention to the breed. Now, I have had cats that don't shed that much. I did have a cat years ago. He was half Persian, half, I, I don't know what the other half was, but I'm assuming it was just a, an American or a domestic short hair, but he barely shed. He had really long hair, but he barely shed. I've had cats that had short hair. It was like, holy crow, how much hair does this cat have? My cat, Tic Tac, she was a short hair. And you can brush her for like three hours and you would still come up with a full brush. It was ridiculous how much hair came off of this short haired cat. So that's... Something to pay attention to, obviously, is the grooming responsibilities in a cat. You were, you're correct. Um, I don't believe cats have been bred for purposes other than royalty. I think if they were bred for any purpose, it would be mice and rat catching. But that's actually not really a breed trait. That's just enhancing mm-hmm. their natural instinct. Cats are, they are killers. <laughs> I mean, it's just what they do. They they chase and they hunt. That is their their nature. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's like breeding so much to bring that more out, but it's more breeding for a purpose, not for a trait. Yeah. Royalty. Yeah. Appearance. Yeah. Those are the big things mm-hmm. with cats. You know, and now it's just like, okay, how can we make them look as strange as possible? Right. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. It's that vanity animal. Mm-hmm. I do have an awful lot of opinions about, which I will keep them to myself since this is a, <laughs> a podcast based on facts and also giving you options. And so I don't want to go into a rant because I could. And if you ever want us to rant, feel free to let us know because we will do it. <laughs> but we want to keep it more generalized. But you don't want animals that are bred for vanity purposes. On any animal, whether it's a dog, cat, 
hairless guinea pigs, <laughs> hairless rats. The point? Really, I don't, I don't understand some of this breeding for vanity. Why do you need to have a cat or a dog with a face so smushed that they can't even breathe? Makes no sense to me. Why would you, this new trend of these munchkin cats, you and I have talked about this before, and it's just, why? All you're doing is breeding dwarfism in your cat. Would you breed dwarfism in a human? Mm -hmm. Oh, but they're so cute. I mean, seriously, it's just not very beneficial to the animal. An animal is not a toy. It is not entertainment for you. Mm-hmm. They need to be able to thrive. And an mm-hmm. animal with tiny, short little legs and a normal sized body is not a healthy animal. They may be cute as pie. I will be the first one to say I love cats. And I think all cats are cute. doesn't matter what they are. But... Would I go and specifically go to a breeder and get an animal that has been bred to be a dwarf? Mm -hmm. I would never do that. I would never, ever, ever do that. I feel that that is detrimental to the animal. Right. What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, very definitely. This is something that people need to really consider when they decide to get a breed, a specific breed. These breeds, when they are bred for certain characteristics to look a certain way, alongside that, they're also breeding health issues and different problems in them as well. You'll notice with German Shepherds, they often end up with hip dysplasia. Dogs and cats that have the flat face usually have respiratory issues. The wrinkly dogs have skin issues. They're bred to be over wrinkly, and then they end up having fungal infections in their skin. Mm -hmm. How does that benefit the animal? Why? Because it looks good for you? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm getting on my rant. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I will step off my little soapbox here and we'll talk about the facts. <laughs> but this is where research is really important. Don't just talk to your friends or neighbors or something like that and say, hey, you know, what kind of dog do I get? Or I, I like the look of that dog. What is it? I want to get one of those. Do your research and find out what are the characteristics of each animal in terms of their energy, in terms of their potential health issues that could be related to their particular breed, in terms of like what kind of work they, they might need in order to keep them stimulated and enriched? How much, how sociable are they? This can vary depending on the type of animal as well. What kind of personality they have? Are they good with children? These are all different things that you really need to consider before you choose an animal because these all play a huge factor in the relationship you are going to have with your pet. We hope you're planning to make a lifetime commitment to them. Yes, definitely. Animals are not toys. You're bringing another life into your home that is going to be reliant on you and hold you accountable to it. That isn't something to be taken lightly. It doesn't matter whether it's a cat and we can go into the, oh, but cats just do nothing. No, they don't. No, they don't. Cats need socialization as well. I have had cats my whole life. And the ones that had free reign to do whatever the heck they wanted to ended up being more stressed, having more behavioral issues, and were less attached to the family because they did not feel like they belonged. 
And that sounds really weird, but it's the truth. It's what they felt like when I have had cats that had very specific but flexible boundaries, enrichment, attention. I treat some of my cats like they were dogs. I talk to them. I have conversations with them. We sit on the couch together. I don't allow my cats to be somewhere hiding for hours on end. I always need to know where they are because a quiet animal is often a naughty animal unless they're sleeping. That's something to keep in mind. Or they could be sick because they also tend to hide their illnesses as well. Absolutely. That's a big one. So if you let especially cats. If you let a cat have free reign to do whatever they want, they can hide under the bed. They can do all this stuff. They can find like 25 million hiding spots in your house. Then you are never going to know if the cat is stressed or struggling. Cat will not tell you it's sick. A dog will not tell you it's sick. If you think about what they would be like in nature, a sick animal is a dead animal Mm -hmm. and they are not going to show weakness as a way of survival. So by maintaining some type of attention on cats, dogs, the same, you will be able to monitor and be aware of anything that happens with your animal's life. They need to be in your face. Really, they need to be in your face so you can pay attention to them. Mm -hmm. That's my opinion. And it's what I've, in my experience, I've had many, 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 many cats. I even had 12 at one time. I've had many cats. And I have seen that this behavior over and over again. And I have learned through my experiences and through the cats telling me with their behavior that they prefer it this way. They prefer having the boundaries. They prefer knowing the rules of the house and allowing them to have freedom within those rules is what makes a happy enriched animal. Mm -hmm. Yes. So what has your experience been? Um, I know you've had dogs in your life. So what are your experiences? What have you seen? I cannot speak to dogs that well because I've never owned one. I just know the basics through my research I've learned. I can't really speak to it. Now you've, you've had dogs in your life. What are some of the things that you have encountered and seen with with the different types of dogs you've had? With the personal experience and also seeing other people with dogs, one thing I've noticed is that people who have the smaller dogs tend to have the mindset that their dog doesn't need very much training. I don't know what it is exactly that they think that if they think they're not going to have behavior issues or or what exactly it is that they think about. But this can be very confusing for, for an animal. If you're allowing a behavior sometimes, but you're not allowing it at other times, the dog or the cat doesn't know what you expect of it. There has to be consistency. We're not going to get into any depth here with with training. We'll talk about that at another time. But just because a dog is a small dog doesn't mean that they don't need the same training as a larger dog. Especially small dogs can, some of them will view themselves as a larger dog. They see themselves as a large dog and they'll try to act like a large dog, especially if this is they're interacting with another dog that is larger, Mm -hmm. this could end up being a very serious issue because this could end up causing serious injury to them. Or death. Mm -hmm. Many, many, many little dogs have stood up to big dogs and died. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. I have always loved chihuahuas. I think chihuahuas are the awesomest little dogs. Every time I bring a chihuahua up, 
I get people like, oh my gosh, they're so yippy. Oh my gosh, they're so, no, 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 they're brats. And I sit there and I think, okay, so why do they think that way? It's because the dog has no training. Yes, chihuahuas like to be babied. That is part of their trait. They like to be babied, but they also are little dogs with big dog attitudes. They need structure. If you notice, a little chihuahua dog is always shaking because it's always fearful. It's always anxious. It's always, always has anxiety because it doesn't know what to do. If you perpetrate this, oh, it's just a little baby. It's just a small little dog. Then you are feeding into the energy of this dog can't take care of itself. And the dog is going to be scared of everything and it's going to bark at everything. But if you raise a chihuahua from the time you get it, from the time it's a little puppy and you know what? Old dogs and old cats can learn new tricks. Don't let anybody tell you different. They can learn and they will do it because they want to please you. That being said, if you take a chihuahua, no matter how old it is when you get it and you give it proper training, you will have a more well-rounded dog that's not shaking scared all the time and full of anxiety. Just because it's little doesn't mean that it needs to be protected. You know, that whole sense. It's almost like the other overbearing mother or the over-sheltering parents mm -hmm. that don't let their kids get into anything. So the kids don't even know how to handle life once they get to a certain age. That's kind of the same energy you're putting into your dog, your little dog, if you treat it that way. It has no way, it loses something when it's searching for that thing that it lost, you, you create stress. Mm -hmm. Another thing I've noticed with people walking their dogs in my neighborhood here, I see a lot of them when they're walking their dogs, the walk is not for the dog itself. They might have the idea that they're taking the dog for a walk and giving it the exercise it needs. But what they do is because the dog will want to stop and sniff and check things out. And I'll see them like, come on, come on, and try to pull them along and they don't want to let them stop and sniff. This is part of the enrichment for a dog. It's it's like them reading a newspaper. It helps them to find out what's going on in the dog world. They might have the opportunity to interact with other animals, depending on whether the other animals are behaved enough for the interaction. When you're taking a dog for a walk, don't think that I'm only going to take it for 10 minutes because that's all I have time to take it for it. You need to make sure you have time set in your day to give your dog a proper walk give it the time to get the enrichment on its walk that it needs. It's not just about the exercise. It's also about the relationship between you and your animal. That too. Yes. The bonding. Yeah. That if you look at like packs of dogs, they all walk together. It's just part of the, what they do. You might find the lonely coyote on the hunt, but when they move together as a group, they're walking together. You're not going to have one coyote or one wolf go to a certain location, then another one follow eventually, and then another one to follow up. No, they move together. They navigate together. I hope that this has given you some good food for thought on how to make a decision when you choose to get a pet. 
whether a cat is better for you, a dog is better for you, or, or a goldfish, goldfish. <laughs> or a high energy animal or a lower energy animal. I hope this was beneficial for you. Yeah. And I hope we've given you all food for thought and given you questions and planted seeds for you to ask yourself these questions because it's not about you. It's about you and the animal. And you want to make a choice that is beneficial for you beneficial for the animal, beneficial for your family, and any other animal that lives within that house. If you do that, then you will actually end up having a really great experience with your animal. You're not going to have to struggle with a lot of the things that come with having a dog that or a cat that is not thriving. One of our upcoming episodes, we will help you to understand how to prepare your home for your new pet so that you can have a safe and healthy home for them and keep the stress level down for both of you as much as possible. Yes. Stay tuned. Keep coming back. We'll help you learn all the things you need as you are starting this journey. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want some more great info, be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com.